Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day you may be hearing this. This is Reverend Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and we are in our Bible Bites, episode 241 today. And we will conclude the book of Lamentations today. It's a short book. We started it yesterday, and we covered chapters 1 and 2. Today we're covering Lamentations 3 through 5. And so we'll conclude it and then continue on in more of the prophets, beginning with tomorrow. But Lamentations, it's an often overlooked book, and there's really no scholarly debate for the most part over the author, even though the author is not named. Um, it's very likely, and most everyone agrees, that it is um, Jeremiah who wrote this. It makes complete sense. It follows the style of his writing, and I believe it gives us an insight into his heart, his feelings, his thoughts, his own struggle and inner turmoil and how he felt about this thing. In, in that sense, it may be kind of considered similar to the book of Psalms, because in the book of Psalms, we see the inner thoughts and feelings and, and struggles of people like David um, and others who wrote the Psalms. And so in that sense, I think it can be um, somewhat comparative to that. But we do see this book is really focusing in on Jeremiah's deep grief and anguish and loss when the Babylonian captivity happened, his people went into captivity, and then he's among those who are left, and he's really bemoaning their situation. Although, even in this book, he recognizes the righteousness of God's judgment. So he may struggle at times, like for instance, in the first part of chapter three, he, he is addressing the Lord just honestly, because he's honestly telling the Lord his feelings. And he feels that, you know, in a way God has afflicted him and in uh, the ways that the people have treated him. And, you know, maybe he sees maybe the Lord didn't act appropriately or, or when he thought he should, that kind of thing. So he's not attacking the Lord, but he's just letting his honest, deep emotions uh, come out in this expression of an honest relationship and an honest um, feeling. And that's one of the things that I love about the fact that even in the Old Testament, there was a relational aspect with their um, situation with the Lord, with their covenant with God. There was still a relationship involved. And so Jeremiah is pouring out his heart here to the Lord. And he's not rebuked or cast off because he's being honest with God. The Lord already knows how we feel sometimes when we're struggling through situations. And we don't see the whole picture. And we, we are grieved and we are in anguish. And so I believe that we see some of that coming out with Jeremiah. However, Jeremiah knows God well enough that we will see him breathing he, the breath of hope and, and um, justice and righteousness into these pages as we continue to go on. So, as I mentioned, he's bemoaning the first few verses of chapter 3, uh, actually verses 1 through 20. This is more of his lament, um, his maybe depression or despair, disappointment, um, those kinds of things. He is expressing the pain that he feels inside. However, I want to read you, in the middle of that, 
In the middle of that, Jeremiah makes these words, says these words, and makes these comments. And they are just so jam-packed powerful. This, in verse 21 of chapter 3, This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies, or by the instrument of the Lord's mercies, because of the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. We're not utterly brought to an end. God had already told him, after 70 years, you're coming back. I'm going to bring you back. And as I determined to do evil because of the evil sins you had done, I will then determine to do you good. And I will plant you. And he had made all of these promises. So Jeremiah knows that they are not brought to an utter end. And it is because of the Lord's mercies. That word mercy is the same Hebrew word first used in the rescue of Lot. And we've talked about this at other, uh, in other episodes of these Bible Bites, especially in Genesis 18 and 19 when we were there. But that word, it's, it's beautiful to understand it because Lot was responsible of forgetting Lot into Sodom and into the mess he was in. And even though he was rescued from it one time before that, then he still finds himself in Sodom and Gomorrah again in chapter 19. So Lot got himself in there willingly and, you know, full, full-fledged. And yet God, through his mercies, rescued Lot out. And beloved, even when we get ourselves into difficult situations, God, because of his mercies, can get us out of those situations. It might not mean that we escape all consequences. Very likely not. But God will rescue us. He will save us. He will put us on a better path. And so Jeremiah is recognizing here that yes, we're in a bad situation, we've suffered a lot of loss, but we are not at an utter end. And the reason for that is because our God is merciful. And then he goes on and he says, because his compassions fail not, they never come to an end. That word compassion is another beautiful word, because in the Hebrew, it really means like the womb of a pregnant woman. It's talking about that, that womb that, that covers that baby, that womb that nourishes that baby, that womb loves that baby and is doing everything that it can to see that the baby is cared for and the baby is brought to, to its life that is its end end result at the end of the pregnancy. And that's the picture here. That's the picture of the Lord's compassions. Sometimes it's translated as mercy or other things, but it's that Hebrew word for the womb, cherishing the baby inside. That's the Lord's compassions. And his compassions never come to an end. They are never exhausted. They are never spent or poured out to an utter end. They're always available to us. Praise God. It says this about his mercies, his compassions. They are new every morning. 
In other words, they're fresh baked. They are freshly made, brand new for whatever that situation is you're going to need that day. God's already got you covered. While you're asleep at night, he's got his oven cooking you a fresh baked loaf, so to speak, of mercy. And he's going to give it to you and make it available in the break of day when you wake up. How beautiful is that of our God? And then he says, great is your faithfulness. He's talking to God here. He says, great is your faithfulness. In other words, abundant, increasing, absolutely numerous, more numerous than we can imagine, is the faithfulness, the sturdiness, the steadfastness of God. That, yeah, he's not moved by the fact that we're in a drought, we're in a famine, we're in a under judgment. He's still as constant and his word is still as true as it ever was. He's still faithful to us. Then he says, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. <coughs> the Lord is my portion. He's my allotment. He's my inheritance. He's my share and my possession. One translation of that and one uh, word that, that expresses that is award. When God appeared to Abraham in Genesis 15, it's, he told Abraham, he said, I am your exceeding great reward. He's the prize. He's the prize. And so Jeremiah says, yeah, I feel all dis, dis, um, discouraged, disappointed. I may be um, grieving and hurting, but the Lord is my portion. And I'm going to hope in him. When, that, when the Hebrew word means says hope, it's talking about expectancy. We're going to hope in faith. We're going to believe and expect better things to come. We're going to put our expectation on the Lord who is merciful and kind, abundant in mercy, willing to forgive. All of those great things that we know about him and that have been revealed to us, we're going to hope in that one. We're going to hope in the living God. He says in verse 25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. And I, it reminded me of when Jesus said to ask and keep on asking in the Greek. That's what it means. Knock and keep on knocking. Seek and keep on seeking. And then in Hebrews eleven six, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe two things. One, that he actually is alive, living. He's the living God. He exists. He's listening to you. He hears you. And he can act because he's the living God. And two, that he will diligently reward those who seek him diligently, those who seek him faithfully, regularly. As a matter of fact, the word, the Hebrew word for that um, word here that says seeks literally means to frequent to tread, to frequent somebody that's coming and coming back and coming back and coming back and coming back and seeking after God. God will reward them with more of himself and he will be good to them. Hallelujah. So then he says, it is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the rescue or the salvation of the Lord. 
It is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. And then he goes on and he gives some other instructions and things like that. I love in verse 31 where he says, For the Lord, here he is again, building himself up in his most holy faith, encouraging his own soul in the Lord because he's reminding himself of the faithfulness of God and of God's word and of God's promise. He says, For the Lord will not cast us off forever. Though he causes grief, yet he will show compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. Hallelujah. How beautiful is that? It's precious to know our great God. Hallelujah. I want to read to you um, verses 40. Yes, 40 and 41. I want you to see this as well, because this is something that we need to put in practice even today. Even today, these words are for us. Let us search out and examine our ways and turn back to the Lord. Lift, let us lift our hearts and hands to God in heaven. Oh, beloved, that is still true today. Everyone today, we need to be searching our own ways and our own hearts and turn back to God. And God still is putting out a call for us to return to him. Praise his name. Again, we see in verse 48, Jeremiah's grieving for the sin of his people and for its consequences. And we notice that one of the greatest themes of the book of Lamentations that gives us the greatest takeaway, there's two, I believe. One is the consequences of sin are destruction and uh, death and famine and other things. But God is merciful and will forgive. In verse 55 through 57, it says here, he says, I called on your name, O Lord, from the lowest pit. You have heard my voice. Do not hide your ear from my sighing, from my cry for help. You drew near on the day I called on you and said, do not fear. Beloved, that same thing is still true today for anyone who will call out to him in sincerity. If you call, it doesn't matter if you are in the lowest pit in your life. If you call out on the name of the living God, the one that Jeremiah's just been telling you about. This one, if you will call from even a lowest pit, God will hear your voice. If you are sincere and he will draw near to you when you call to him and he can rescue you and put you on a better path. So take that to heart. That I believe, even as I was reading it and jotting down my notes about it, I just knew in my heart that is for somebody that's listening to this message. Even if you feel you are in a deep, dark, ugly, stinky pit and there's no way out, call out to God because there's a living God on the throne that will hear you if you are sincere and he will draw near to you and he will help you. Praise God. Chapter 4 continues speaking to us in the, uh, in the order of telling us more about the destruction, the depth, and the scope of it. And notice in verse 6, 
that it talks about how the punishment of the iniquity of the daughter of my people is greater than the punishment of the sin of Sodom, which was overthrown in a moment with no hand to help her. Here, I believe that what the Lord impressed upon me is the same thing that Jesus said, to whom much is given, much is required. The Israelites, the Jewish people knew the God of the Bible. They had a relationship with him. They had a covenant with him. They had his own words. Sodom and Gomorrah didn't have that. Other nations didn't have that. And so God required more from them because they were given much more. And they failed with that miserably in that day. And so God had to bring that judgment upon them. Then I want to just end with chapter 5, where he recounts again the emptiness and the end destruction of sinful choices. But I want to leave you with this hopeful word because Jeremiah does. In the very last part of his book here in Lamentations, he says, You, O Lord, remain forever, your throne from generation to generation. Why do you forget us forever and forsake us for so long a time? Turn us, listen to this, turn us back to you, O Lord, and we will be restored. Renew our days as of old, unless you've utterly rejected us and are very angry with us. And we know that that was not true because God had already promised Jeremiah he would bring them back. So I just, I, I feel like that we need to realize that this verse 21 Turn us back to you, O Lord, and we will be restored. Renew our, our days as of old. Beloved, if you find that you have strayed from the Lord, if you don't know him, if you don't have these experiences with God that the Bible is talking about that we can have, if you don't know the God of the Bible, then you need to just turn to God and you will be restored. True restoration comes from knowing God. As a matter of fact, Paul said in Philippians chapter 3 that the highest goal, the superior thing, is knowing Christ and everything else is worth dung to him. He said he counts it all as loss. The great goal is to know the Lord and he brings restoration to our lives. I trust this has been a blessing to you. Lord willing, we'll continue in Bible Bites. May the Lord bless you and I hope you can join us for future episodes.